The Library by Francis Rosenfeld Act 2 First Story Do you believe her? Jen whispered to Ted, eyeing the young woman with the gaze of a skeptic. She'd been a ranger for 15 years, and during this time she'd heard her share of tall tales, although she had to admit, not one that could hold a candle to this gal's. Really, that was the best lie the woman could come up with, that she got lost in the desert and spent an untold number of years living with a mysterious philosopher colony. Even as feral as she looked, with matted hair and dressed in dubious rags, there was no way their rescue had spent more than a week in any place lacking the trappings of civilization. She didn't look malnourished, had no signs of physical trauma and, honestly, she didn't look old enough to have spent many years anywhere, not to mention the wilderness. Jen was so irritated by these entitled detention-seeking brats who tried to make themselves look interesting by putting their lives, and through her professional obligations, hers, in harm's way. She was of half a mind to show this airhead what real hardship looked like, since goodness knows, she'd had her share. This unfortunate youth's predicament was nothing an actual job and a decent attire couldn't fix, that's for sure. She looked at her wilderness rescue again. What kind of irresponsible nut goes out into the desert in that outfit? No boots, no sleeves, no hat. She would have been dead within a week if she weren't lying through her teeth. The thought the young woman, who was sniffling sheepishly, wrapped in a space blanket, barely managing to nibble on her sandwich between sobs, may have escaped from a mental institution somewhere nearby softened her ire, but the girl didn't seem incoherent enough to validate that possibility. It takes all sorts, Jen thought. What did she know about mental illness, even if she religiously attended the periodic training seminars offered at the station? Maybe the girl was the kind of crazy one didn't get at first glance. What did they call them? Histrionics? pathological liars, because she was certain any word that came out of that girl's mouth was a lie. The only question was if the latter was aware of it or not. Kindness won in the end and she approached her charge, who was now sitting in the back of the rescue vehicle with her legs hanging out, staring into the distance with a forlorn expression. What's your name, hun? Gwen. Gwen what? The girl looked at her with genuine panic. You don't remember? Jen asked. Gwen shook her head in dismay. Drama queen, Jen thought. You'd do anything to get her tension, wouldn't you? She continued, taming down the tone of her voice so she wouldn't sound too harsh. What's the last thing you remember? Oh, I remember everything. Gwen smiled, and the light in her eyes was so out of sync with her disheveled appearance, it made the Lady Ranger a little unsure of her judgment. She didn't like feeling like that. She was very self-assured, especially after the school of hard knocks had taught her the damsel in distress routine does nothing for a lonely woman, other than rawl the jackals from miles around to feast on her weakness. Maybe she really is off, poor thing, she thought. How on earth did she make it here alive? They were deep in the middle of nowhere, in a place that even for a trained ranger like her, who drove to it with provisions, blankets and means of communication, felt alien and dangerous. 
Oh yeah, she tried a light-hearted approach. Like what? The stars. Gwen smiled. The stars look very close at night in the desert. There are so many of them. You can see every single one. You know. Gwen got all excited. It feels like you can reach out and touch them. Definitely dehydrated. Conduct a drug test as soon as feasible. Jen made a note to self, but continued to play along. Do you often go out into the desert at night? Occasionally, Gwen nodded. When the moon is out, otherwise it's too dangerous. You know, it gets very hard to see. I bet. Jen bit her tongue, trying not to get irritated again. She blamed the parents, of course. How old was this girl? 24, 25. What kind of upbringing lands one stranded in the desert like this? In dire need of rescue. She couldn't stand their heads on principle, because they made her job so much harder and she would have preferred to save her effort for the sensible and responsible folks who were worth saving. It was one thing to give someone a helping hand during terrible circumstances, but she had no patience for self-inflicted goons. She decided the conversation wasn't worth her time. Listen, hon, I'm going to leave you with Ted here. He's good people, he'll take care of you. We're going to do a quick check upon you when we get back to town, but is there any place you want us to take you after that? Can you take me back to the house, please? I'm sure number four is worried about me. He must have noticed by now nobody gathered the eggs. Number four, yes. You mean you weren't there alone? Jen snapped to attention. How many of you were there? Date, all together, me and the seven numbers. Do any of them have real names? Gwen stared blankly, as if she didn't understand the question. Crazy as a loon, Jen sighed. She clicked her two-way radio to communicate to the station the girl was going to need a psych eval. Ted offered Gwen another snack, trying to put her at ease so he could get her to open up. He loved Jen, don't get him wrong, but the latter could be denser than fiberboard sometimes. Couldn't she see the Poe girl was trying to tell them something? Who knows what ordeal the eight of them had gone through? Nobody would stay sane, not here, not for that long. If there were more people stranded, he was eager to find them and get them to safety. What if she'd escaped from a cult? Jen interjected a brash comment. Have you thought about that before you decided to run to the rescue of those degenerates, whatever they may be up to? Seven men and one girl. Disgusting. Have you been hurt, my dear? He asked Gwen in a gentle, almost imperceptible tone which reminded her of number four's kindness. She was taken aback by the unexpected question and got lost in thought, trying to regain her bearings, until she finally shook off the daze and answered. Hurt? No, no, of course not. We should go find them. I never should have left without letting them know but we never hope to find civilization again. They will be beyond themselves with joy to learn I found a way out. Come. She got up, energized by the sandwich and the candy bar, thinking of all the times she imagined eating chocolate again and how it didn't taste as good as it did in her dreams. Where do you think you're going, young lady? Ted rushed behind her, adjusting his aching back as he chased after her cussing under his breath that he still got to chase the crazies in his old age. He had been up for retirement for a few years, but nobody seemed eager to replace him, so he begrudgingly stayed on. What if she's right? 
he thought as he grunted up the hill to keep up with the girl, while Jen followed them not far behind, steaming and hissing in outrage like a tea kettle. Grab her and get her back here, Ted. We will not have our bones bleach out in this godforsaken desert to feed the buzzards. Ted hesitated, torn between his self-preservation instinct and the desire to render help that sprung from the very core of his personality. And in his moment of confusion, Gwen put too much distance between herself and the team for them to grab her. It's right here, she raised her voice over the rocks gleefully, right past these boulders. Ted, you get back here now. She's going to get you killed too. Who knows what's crawling under those rocks? Ted, he gestured no, irate, and continued grunting up the hill, churning things in his mind that will remain unmentioned, and determined to give the girl a firm talking to once he caught up with her. He looked around the boulder, somewhat expecting to see the house, or whatever their charge called the house and was surprised by the discovery, which should have been obvious to any rational being, that there was nothing there. Gwen was standing in the arid landscape, punctuated by cacti, dried vegetation and rocks, sobbing uncontrollably, in despair, and repeating like a broken doll I never should have left them. I never should have left them. While Jen and Ted grabbed one arm each and were now gently pushing her back to the Land Rover, praying quietly to not get lost on their way back to it. Ted looked down, embarrassed for being so gullible, while Jen darted looks in his direction so sharp they could pierce leather. How many times do I have to tell you not to take these people seriously? She asked him, eventually, unable to hold her tongue. They're going to be the death of you one day, mark my words, venturing out in this heat at your age. Can't leave people stranded, Jen. Oh, you mean the number people? Who are they? Number one, number two. No, no number two, Gwen whispered softly, for obvious reasons. Naturally, Jen snapped. Listen, hon, I'm all for rescuing people and stuff, but I don't like the druggies. When we find your parents, they're going to have to pay your fine. You're wasting public resources. What if we were needed somewhere else? She continued ranting. Who in the world would be more in need of us than a disturbed young woman lost in the desert with no food or water, miles from nowhere in all directions? Ted asked himself, quietly as not to fan Jen's flames of wrath. I never should have left them. I never should have left them. It's not fair. Gwen kept mumbling. Yeah, hurry up. Jen rushed her. We don't want to get stranded here at night. The latter was starting to regain her sense of humor a bit once she could see the vehicle. Dangerous lunatic. Maybe some people were not worth saving. Any longer and we might join your cult too, cause we won't be able to find our way back to town. I'm not even sure the GPS works so far out into the wilderness. What in places were you thinking? I never should have left them. Gwen kept sobbing. Left who? The numbers? Jen asked getting more and more frustrated. The girl was obviously not in touch with reality. One could tell just by looking at her, she had this spaced-out gaze that gave her the creeps. Ich lebe in meinen Träumen, das spürt man. Andere Menschen leben in Träumen, aber nicht in ihren eigenen. Gwen whispered. Is that German, hon? Jen asked, absent-minded, and picked up the pace, 
looking at the sun setting on the horizon. She was too worried to give the crazy speaking in tongues a piece of her mind. There would be plenty of time to deal with her later, at the station, where they were safe. You think she's losing it? Ted whispered, concerned. What are we going to do with her if she throws a fit in the car? Did you bring the emergency kit? Who do you take me for? You know I never go out into the field unprepared. Jen replied, offended. I never should have left them, Gwen whispered. They were almost at the car when Jen's patience cracked beyond repair. Oh, you want to go back? Then, go on. Get back to your cacti. See if I care. She let go of Gwen's arm and pushed her away, angrily, as the sun disappeared behind the horizon. Darkness fell upon them suddenly, a black velvet sky studded by a million stars that wrapped itself around their bodies like a blanket. Thanks a lot, now we have to camp out here for the night. Gent threw her a poisonous glance and then prompted Ted to gather brush for the fire. It was getting cold. Everyone grew deadly quiet. Their ears instinctively tuned into every swish in the brush and every snap twig. Even their breaths quieted down below the threshold of hearing. The sounds of the desert took over, indifferent to their presence, as nature usually is to the human's exaggerated sense of self-importance, content to experience our fleeting existence from a much broader and less flustered perspective. For a second Gwen thought she could hear fragments of a theatrical performance and muffled laughter and the crackling of a campfire and then the wind swept them away and mingled them with the sounds of the crickets, before the desert went completely quiet. She reached into her pocket without thinking and pulled out a little piece of bread, the bread from the cupboard, one of the axioms of reality as postulated by the numbers. She wanted to wake up the two and show them, show them she was not crazy, and tell them about how the bread just showed up in the cupboard each morning and then had enough sense to realize having a piece of bread in one's pocket meant nothing. Just one more thing that made her incompatible with normality. With that world out there she'd left she didn't even remember when with nary a thought. Unaware it would be impossible for her to rejoin it. It's not fair. She ate the bread and sobbed, desperately trying to regain access to that mental universe its taste reminded her of. Wretched at the thought of reality. Cold dull and falling on her head in weirdly shaped brick-filled chunks of ugly prose. She got up, quiet as a mouse, and started on the trail that bent behind the boulder, hesitating briefly before she turned the corner, eyes closed tightly as to deny reality its cruel proof the house wasn't there.